You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Mic check, one, two, three, four. Let me adjust this. Ladies and gentlemen, we're like five days away from Christmas. And I don't know how I feel about Christmas. I think I've I've said this before. Like, dude, I'm just not a huge fan of Christmas. I don't know why. The kids, for some reason, they're they're amped up, they're excited. Uh I I love having the uh you know them being excited in the house we're doing the elf thing actually my oldest daughter she's passed the santa stage and she has been doing moving the elf on the shelf around every night uh, after the boys go to bed and so you know we're, we're going through all that now we got some presents they're wrapped under the tree and the boys went down there and they're like, oh my God, look at this. What's, you know, they're doing that. They're, they're excited. And this morning and last night, they woke up, or before they went to bed, naughty, sassy, just like disrespectful to their mother, which, which for me as a, a father, dude, I'm okay. If you want to be a shit to me, dude, I, I know how to handle that. I, I, you know, I'll check them. But when you're disrespectful to your mother, that pisses me off, right? Because, you know, my wife does a lot for for this family, especially the children. And when they disrespect her, that really pisses me off. So this morning, they disrespected their mother. They disrespected me. And, you know, they were talking about Christmas presents and Christmas. And I had to bring a nuclear bomb of truth uh, to their world today and I had to check them uh, this morning and I was just like hey listen here's how this works Uh, and you know uh, I I had a short fuse this morning (laughs) for some reason uh, and I basically said listen the reason Christmas happens is because of mom and dad right and then you give them the spiel about what Christmas is really all about family and Jesus 
and things like that, right? But then you say the per- the presents are a bonus, and I will take away every single present that you have if you do not change your attitude. And I like I, I was pissed enough to where I will go downstairs. I said I will go downstairs right now, and I will unwrap all of those presents in front of you. I will go and get the receipts, and then I will watch you will watch me take them back to the store like I was I just had had it and they're like no don't do that please and then they they came they realized that I wasn't I wasn't joking and I wasn't effing around <laughs> and I, don't, I don't know what kind of dad that makes me if that makes me uh, but I'll tell you this they started respecting their mother again they started respecting me again and uh, uh, it worked and so before they got on the bus, they were like, please, thank you. Oh, mommy, love you. You know, this and that. And so I think they understood that as much as as much freedom as they think they have, me and their mother are still in 100% control of every decision that is made in their life. And sometimes they like it. Sometimes they don't, they don't like it. And uh, I guess that's part of being a parent. Well, anyway, that's, that's me venting today to you guys. Uh, I'm, I just, I like the family aspect of Christmas. I just wish it was over. I, I fast forward to late season hunting that I'm going to be able to go do here in a couple weeks. And I'm really looking forward to that. So uh, today we're going to be talking with AJ Lewis. Now, certain states offer a lifetime hunting license uh, to their residents at any age. You just have to live there for a certain amount of time. And today's example is Kansas. So while AJ was living in Kansas and he's a preacher by trade. Uh, he was able to buy a Kansas lifetime hunting uh, license and then he moved to Ohio. And so he gets to hunt Kansas every year because while he was a resident, he bought this hunting license. And I guess if we're going to be talking about loopholes, that's a loophole. He has the lifetime resident hunting tag he gets to hunt kansas every year even though he lives in ohio and so that is what we we talk about today we talk about the differences between ohio and kansas we talk about why he likes hunting kansas so much and then we get into three three a three-point discussion about what he did over the course of his hunting career and adjustments that he made to put himself closer to uh, big deer, all right, mature whitetails in both Ohio and in Kansas. And so it's a really awesome uh, conversation. It's a hunter profile podcast. Uh, we, you know, we talk about his job, we talk about his life, we talk about strategy. It's a really good, well-rounded episode. Now, um, I always, I always say this, but. Um, I just want to take this opportunity to tell you that I appreciate each and every one of you, right? For taking time out of your day to listen to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Um, you know, the, the love and support that I get from you guys is appreciated. Thank you very much for what it is that you do. You know, I do, this is a passion project of me, of mine. You ask anybody in the hunting industry, you know, except maybe some of the bigger names, but you ask anybody who does a podcast or 
does you know works in this space it's a passion project where i'm not going to be rich i'm not going to get rich doing this and so i really do appreciate the support uh when you know when you guys do this um and if you could uh, i would really appreciate it if you would go check out my new business uh, full sneak gear that's full sneak gear.com uh, it is a lifestyle brand it's an apparel company i uh, have made t-shirts uh, and stocking caps and uh, crew neck sweatshirt as of right now i got two more uh, t-shirts coming down the pipe i got some hats coming down the pipe what else uh, two more t-shirts on my to-do list and another hoodie probably coming here pretty soon so i'm really looking forward to sharing all that uh all that with you guys do me a big favor go check out fullsneakgear.com and uh i would really appreciate that so thank you very much uh now the rest of our commercials here we're gonna go through these pretty quick because um and and i i have to do these because not only do i believe in these brands but you know they they support the life that i live and so if you could go, if you ever buy a product from any of the brands that I'm about to mention, just let them know that you heard it, you heard the commercial, you heard me talk about their product truthfully and honestly and unbiased. You know, it it might be a little biased because obviously we're exchanging uh, money for advertising space, but I really do love each each one of these uh, products uh, that, I, that I have here and I use them in my yearly pursuit of of animals and bow hunting so a uh, huge shout out to tethered uh tetherednation.com uh please go out and support the, uh, support them dude saddles are ridiculous the the mobility you get with saddle hunting is ridiculous and you don't necessarily know it until you try it now i'm a i'm a huge fan of uh, hang on tree stands too and so there's times when I use a hang-on. There's times when I'll go ultra mobile and use a saddle and a platform. But I am always wearing my saddle now. I'm always wearing a saddle. There's no safety harness anymore. It's a saddle for me all the way. So go check out Tethered's website. Ch- check out all of the the saddles, the platforms, everything that they have. And uh, yeah, go check out their social as well. So wasparchery.com, fixed blades mechanicals most of their heads are still manufactured in america Um, the material is grade a the the product the design is grade a you know aside from a really shitty shot that i did it wasn't the broadhead's fault but man you put these broadheads anywhere close to vitals or you get it into the guts let's say or a marginal shot it does an absolute ton of damage and it makes finding these deer easier, right? You put like, so I put the broadhead through both lungs of my whitetail this year that I shot and he died within 40 feet, 50 feet. Now, I, a couple in years in the past, same broadhead, guts, dude, all they want to do is go lay down and then you just find them right it may take a little bit of work they're not going to bleed as much but uh i've um, the year before i hit liver and guts in on my white tail it took me a day to find them but i found them and uh they he didn't go far he went 100 yards and he bedded down 
and then he died in his bed. And so that's why I like Wasp. Discount code NFC20, and that's going to get you 20% off. Uh, Vortex Optics, man, another company that is doing it right. You know, they they are really good at what they do uh, as far as manufacturing optics, but it's the people that work for their company that makes it very special because they are participants in the outdoors, whether that's bird watching, whether that's hunting, you know, th- camping, sightseeing, whatever. They have someone at Vortex that is living that lifestyle as well. It's not just a company that uh, that is, exists to make money. They have they have a purpose, and so I I love I love talking with the guys and working with Vortex Optics. Vortexoptics.com. Go check out their full line of optics. Next on the list, Code Blue Sense. Dude, it I I don't want to use this word because I I feel it's used too much, but for me, the Ropadope system by Code Blue Sense has been an absolute game changer for me this year. Putting a trail camera in front of the preorbital gland, every single buck that I have seen on this property, I have in front of the trail camera using this rope-a-dope system, coming to investigate. Mock scrapes, right? And so I invested a lot of time this year into freshening up mock scrapes and things like that. And it has, it, it, it's amazing. Every single deer has come to investigate this rope-a-dope, this preorbital preorbital uh gland scent and uh the the blue rope that hangs from the tree and and i dude i'm telling you right now i think it's i think it's going to be something that i'm going to i know it's going to be something that i'm going to continue to use for years to come to take inventory maybe not even not even use mineral sites per se anymore uh for velvet season just put a preorbital uh, rope-a-dope system somewhere, and they're going to be coming to it. So uh, go check out CodeBlueSense.com, discount code NFC20 for 20% off. Uh, highly recommend. The Woodman's Pal, uh, another machete uh, slash habitat tool that I've been using a lot this year. Um, made in America. Right, So if you go to woodmanspal.com, you can read up on this product. If you're a habitat manager, habitat specialist, uh, if you own your own property, I mean, it's, it's literally for anybody. I keep one in my truck under my back seat. And when I, when I took my boy out to go set trail cameras this year, hack, hack them up, hack them up, hack the branches out of the way, hack the grass out of the way. I even made mock scrapes with it and it worked perfect durable made in america they've been around since the 40s and there is a 20 percent or there's a discount code available and it's nfc i think it's 20 percent off nfc go check out uh that product and you can not uh, you can not only get the discount code for the product but you can get the discount code for all the products on their website uh last but not least huntworth baby uh dude in my opinion one of the you know there's the elite brands that everybody knows about, but there's also Huntworth and their quality is up there. Their cost is nowhere close to what the elite brands are. So you have nine, you know, 90% of the quality for 50% of the price. And so you, that's a huge benefit. But on top of that, they have an absolutely huge uh, selection of products. It's not overwhelming though. You can you can put together a layering system on Huntworth that will compete against any of the elite brands. I'm certain of it. 
So go check out Huntworth's uh, website. Take a look uh, advantage of their early season, mid season, and their heat boost late season stuff. And I think you guys are going to be very happy and surprised with the quality of product that these guys have. So um, that's it. Fullsneakgear.com. Go check out Fullsneakgear's uh, website again. Uh, please go to iTunes. Leave a five-star review. Let everybody know that the Nine Finger Chronicles is legit. Um, I love getting the Instagram messages from you guys. But if you could please go to iTunes, leave a five-star review. Let everybody know that this is a legit podcast full of entertainment and education. And, you know, from what I hear, some of you guys think it's one of the best out there. And I appreciate that feedback. So uh, let's get into today's episode with AJ Lewis. And uh, I'll talk to you on the back end. Three, two, one. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today we're going to be talking with Mr. A.J. Lewis out of Ohio. A.J., man, what's up? Hey, nothing much, man. Excited for this. So Good deal. Good deal. Yeah. So you live in Ohio now, right? Yes. Does that mean, yep. you're, does that mean you're a Buckeyes fan? Yeah, so I, I actually... Um... I was born and raised in Ohio. Um, I've been up in northern Ohio. And so, uh, yeah, diehard, diehard Buckeye. So, yep. Man, I, I'm trying to think of what team in the Big Ten, the traditional Big Ten, that I hate the absolute most. And it's, us, right? it's it, dude, it's either you, like, obviously, people hate the the greats, right? Like, yep. there's yep. no there's no denying Ohio State and their program. Right. great greatness right there's yep. greatness surrounding it michigan greatness surrounding that yep. and i think i just hate who's really good <laughs> because yeah. because i mean the the hawkeyes they just let you down every year and i'm i'm saying this about a, a 10 and 3 team right <laughs> yeah. who had 5 yards of total offense this year <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, man, I'm going to not to not to hope you change your mind about the Buckeyes. But let me tell you something. As you know, we hate that team up north. And mm-hmm. so uh, we were rooting for you guys, the Big Ten championship. So, oh, oh, yeah. I think everybody was everybody except yeah. Michigan fans. was. Yep. Right? Yep. So yep. Um, what do you do for a living? Yeah, so I am, uh, I'm actually a pastor. I'm an okay. associate pastor at a church, uh, Grace Community Church at our Tiffin campus. Um, which I live in Clyde, uh, out in the country, a couple mm-hmm. miles south of Clyde. But uh, Tiffin's about a 25-minute drive southwest from here. Yep. And, um, yeah, so associate pastor there, do everything from, you know, student men. Um, that's kind of my one of my big uh, ministry focuses is, you know, 6th to 12th grade. Um, but also on top of that, you know, I do, you know, everything from could be teaching Sunday morning if the pastor's out on vacation or, um, you know, I do the, I do a lot of the funerals, weddings, um, run our team of volunteers that, that yeah. make church happen on Sunday morning. So, and we're fairly large church too. So there's a lot, lot going on, especially this time of year. So, yeah. yeah. Well, the yeah. world needs guys like you guys and gals like you. And, um, I'll say this, here's, here's something that I picked up, uh, throughout my time going to church and I have, uh, I would say some friends who are in in the, in what you do, whether that's you know they 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 lead a youth ministry or they're actual full blown pastors of churches and things like that. But one thing pastors are really really good at is 
not necessarily like for me, if my kid does something wrong, I'll say, that's stupid. Why did you do yeah. that? Right. One thing about pastors is they tell you you're stupid, but in the nicest possible way. And you walk away oh, feeling man. motivated to change the mistake yeah. that you just made. It, like, I love it. There you go, man. That's that's it. So, but I, I don't think there's anything wrong with telling your kids oh, once in a while they're stupid and no. they need to straighten up. Exactly. Exactly. Dude, adults need that too. Yes. Adults yes, need yeah. So if you're if you feel like you're making bad decisions, go see a pastor. They'll walk you through it. Let's. See. Hey, I have a question. Has there ever, oh. with with you being a serious uh, deer hunter, has there ever yeah. been a time where another serious deer hunter has come up to you and has said, "Hey, preach, man. I could really use a big buck. Is there any chance you could?" maybe send the good Lord a message and have him send me a 180. Oh man. I, you know, <laughs> I've not had that yet, but I'm sure it's going to happen soon or something. So yeah, not yet. But... Not yet. Okay. Yeah. Good deal. All right. We got to talk a little bit about, um, you, you have a lifetime hunting license in Kansas. All right. And you live in Ohio and I'm looking at you right now. You look relatively, relatively young. And so I thought that these lifetime tags in some of these states were for people like 50 or older. Okay. No, no, no. All right. So walk us through what you had to do to get a lifetime hunting license in, in Nebraska or Kansas. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, for starters, I lived in, so I went to college down in South Carolina, mm-hmm. um, you know, got my degree to be a pastor, mm-hmm. my bachelor's. Um, I met my wife at that college as well. You know, we dated for a while and then obviously, through, you know, got married. And actually her, she's from Kansas. So she's from Salina, Kansas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, we, long story short, got an opportunity to go work uh, right after I graduated college mm-hmm. at, um, at her home church, essentially that, um, that she was part of and stuff. And so that was where my first ministry job was right out of college, went out there, spent six and a half years there. And, um, you know, I, I'm gonna be honest with you, man. I, I fell in love with, uh, I fell in love with Kansas mm-hmm. like overnight, dude, like, um, people out there are great. Um, the, I, I think, a lot of people rip on how Kansas has nothing but, you know, pasture fields and stuff or whatever. Um, but it's it's beautiful to me. I loved it. Loved sitting in the deer stand. Loved hunting. And, and my job, um, that's a big, uh, a big, uh, how do you say it? Uh, I, I, I know what you're going to say. Yeah. Because of what you do for a living, it's probably easier for you to find permission on hunting properties. Oh, okay. Well, that's not where I was getting at. Okay. But, okay. But. That is true. <laughs> it has its benefits. Um, no, what I what I was getting at was just with my job, you know, doing funerals, counseling, different things like that. You hear yeah. a lot of stuff, and so I, I love getting the deer stand. I think the most peaceful place for me is uh, sitting in deer stand in Kansas, man. Oh, yeah. I just I, I love it out there. It's beautiful. Yeah. Well, um, one of my favorite but, quotes from Jim Shockey oh, yeah. is, is when he was like, I, I was watching one of his shows. He walks out into nature. And it's just the, the most beautiful scene you can imagine, right, out in nature. And he yeah. goes, this is my cathedral. 
Yeah. Right. And and I'm like, you know what? That's pretty that's pretty slick yeah. because every time I am sitting in a tree stand and I'm out in nature, I just feel a certain type of way. And it, yeah. it that's where like yeah. true happiness is yeah. for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, a big part of what, you know, again, we do as pastors, you know, we do a lot of ministry stuff on mm-hmm. Sundays, but we also need to have our time that we have that reset. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think my reset happens best when I, you know, get to go back to Kansas for a week and a half every year around Thanksgiving time and, you know, get a deer hunt. So, yeah. but anyway, saying all that to be said, when I was living there, I was like, you know, one day, you know, I, I could move somewhere and, uh, take another position another church or whatever. Um, you know, something may happen. So I want to always be able to come back here and not, I don't even know what the deer tag is. I think it's like, it's like six or $700 now for the deer tag. And then it's a draw for non-resident. Yep. Um, and so, you know, I, uh, I was like, you know, I want to go ahead and lock this down um, because I found out I, I assumed that it was only if you lived in the state. Um, so I called the, you know, game and fish out there and, um, you know, no, they're like, hey, as, as long as you buy this, um, you know, you have to live there for I, I can't remember. I want to say don't quote me on this. I want to say it's like two years mm-hmm. before they will essentially approve you to get this. So, I, yeah. you know waited a few years then mm-hmm. bought it and um yeah so i i'm not a smart guy i don't claim to be but probably one of the smartest things i ever did was doing that and yeah. so yeah i'm um, go back now and get my over-the-counter tag for you know 50 bucks or whatever it is every year you don't have to draw it's every single year wow so dude yeah. what, an, what an amazing loophole i mean oh man that, yeah. It, yeah um because yeah. I, I know for a while there back in the heyday and, and the the uh, department of natural resources really started to to cut down on on it but there would be people renting p.o boxes in oh. I- in iowa and, and having mail sent there and then and having claiming e- that yep and and yeah. saying hey uh, this is i got bills sent yeah. there but then people had to oh. change it and have a, a physical address and you had to live there for 30 days before you could even get your license Okay, wow. and you had to show that. So, yeah. but there were people trying to take advantage of that. How much did it cost you f- at that time for a yeah. lifetime tag? Man, I it's been so long ago. Um, I remember saying I don't know exactly the price, um, but I remember saying if I get this one time, it'll be about the same price as getting a non non resident uh, whitetail deer tag. Um, so. I want to say it was like six to seven hundred. Again, it may have been a little more than that. Now I'm talking about it. Let's just say seven hundred, seven fifty, somewhere around there. So, um, yeah, yeah. I'm looking but, this up right here. Yeah, and it's changed. It's went up too. So yeah, what is it now? I guess. Yeah, let's see here. Kansas Department of Wildlife multi-year uh, lifetime hunting license. Residents only. Okay. Kids, Kansas kids, lifetime hunting and fishing license. So kids can get this too. Um, uh, the lifetime hunting and fishing combination license for residents only is $962.50. Okay. okay. And, and yeah. so that's pretty good, man. Guaranteeing yeah. A, yeah. A, a $50 tag every year. Dude, I'd do that yeah. if I could. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, and I, it's funny because I talk about, I got, you know, my buddies back here that I'll hunt. And they're like, dude, that's, 
that was smart. <laughs> now, so, if, if you are only doing just hunting, it's only, yeah. it's five hundred and two dollars and fifty cents. Okay, but the combo is nine nine sixty two. Wow, that's yeah. that's ridiculous. But you know, you have to be a resident. and You have to live there for so many years. Yeah, yeah. So I think you can yeah. buy a lifetime license in Iowa, but you can't buy it until you're in your fifties. I think I'm pretty sure. Really? Yep. Okay. So in Ohio, um, you can. I've looked at doing it for my kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, both of my kids love to hunt, and um, so you know, I, it's one of those things. I'm gonna probably do for my kids eventually because yeah. you know i mean who knows where life will take them and where they'll be at and yeah you know want them to always have a place they can come back home and go when it doesn't break the bank yeah. so absolutely absolutely yeah. okay um you live down in kansas what did you learn about kansas and maybe talk about the differences between kansas and ohio mm. as far as hunting goes as far or, as let's just probably, let's yeah. let's stick to white-tailed deer Yep. Yep. Okay. So, you know, I'm up in Northern Ohio. Um, you know, I'm gosh, I'm 20 minutes South of Lake Erie. I can get to Cleveland in a little over an hour, get to Toledo in about an hour. Um, so we're at, it's, it is, there's a lot of similarities between Kansas where we live and here, but you know, one of the big things is up here. I mean, the, there are a lot more hunters. I'll start with that. Yep. All right. Ohio is lots of hunters. Um, but, uh, you know, so we can get into that if you want to. But also, I mean, there are there's definitely more timber up here. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, in Kansas, it's, you know, it's literally just creek bottoms. You know, there's some, they call them shelter bells out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, mainly just creek bottoms are wooded and it's open. Um, you know, big ag country. But. I would also say the same about here as far as the ag country. Lots of, I mean, where we're at, it's all cornfields, um, you know, big farm country. But there is definitely, you know, there's definitely a lot more woods up here. Um, but, you know, you'll have, you know, your creek bottoms, but then you also have, you know, a 10-acre woodlot here, a 15-acre woodlot here, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, or in Kansas, you just don't have that. I right. mean, it's wooded creek bottoms, and that's pretty much about it where we were at at least. So Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about what, like, the bed to food pattern in Kansas versus Ohio, and are there any similarities that a guy said? Maybe, maybe a guy that's listening to this in Ohio goes, "Man, I want to, I want to try a Western state like Kansas, or, yeah. or uh, you know, a Western Prairie state, uh, Kansas, Nebraska, South Dakota, yeah. that they yeah. could take some principles from Ohio that they've learned yeah. to this new environment." Yeah, I, I would say that's yeah, it's a good question because that kind of has been something. I, I sh- I'll be honest with you, when I live there, I've been more successful not living there. You know, I was there for six and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a, a if you want to call it, you know, learning curve. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, it's interesting. Like here in, in Ohio, I mean, we think of northern Ohio. There's you know, there's marshes, there's different things like that. A lot thick, there's a really thick bedding around the area that you, you know, it's kind of like a no brainer, man, deer definitely bed in there. Yep. Now, regardless, there's a stud in there or not, that's the story. But um, in Kansas, it's, there are areas like that, but um, it seems to me at least where I hunt, um, they have, the, the bedding areas just don't look like they do in Northern Ohio. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my thing that kind of surprised me was I'd stumble across some of these beddings and I'd be like, man, I, 
doesn't seem like a betting. Now, some of them obviously, you know, were obvious marsh grasses and different things like that. But it seemed to me like there, it's not as obvious. Yeah. Um, and so that was a learning curve to try to figure that out. Um, and, and, you know, I try to mainly, you know, when I'm hunting, I, again, I'm there in the rut a lot of times. So I'm trying to hunt in between, you know, funnel pinch points and stuff um, in between the bedding of food a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, it, it's similar. Um, you know, you're, you know, you still got big ag stuff, and you got, you know, out there they don't have the corn like we have here, mm-hmm. but they have, you know, beans. Uh, they do milo a lot out there, and deer feed on obviously both of those. Um, you know, they have obviously a ton of wheat, but um, you know, I, I'm, you know, I really like hunting none. You know, beans, milo, and then if you're lucky, there may be some corn there. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So. When you go to Kansas, you, uh, what time of year do you usually go? Yep. So um, my ideal dates that I go to Kansas are, um, if, if I had to pick the perfect dates, it'd probably be the like 15th to the 25th of November. Okay. Um, so I try to get there around then. It worked out this year um, that we could do that. So with how it works, my wife's family back there, uh, we always go back that way for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And so this year, I can't remember what Thanksgiving fell on, 23rd or 4th or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, 23rd or 4th. And so how I do it is I essentially, that entire week, I burn a week of vacation or you know a few days off for that week mm-hmm. and then try to leave. Like my goal is to be leaving Wednesday night, you know, Thursday night, the week before Thanksgiving. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. So it's kind of, and it's one of those deals that, um, just to maximize my days off mm-hmm. and also my, my wife, she's a librarian at our, our elementary school in town here with the kids in school and stuff. Um, you know, we try to always go during that time frame. So, so usually it's sometime around that, you know, 13, you know, 14th, 15th, I'm leaving, headed out there. And then we're coming back to the, you know, the, the Friday or Saturday, uh, following Thanksgiving. Gotcha. So, okay. All right. Um, yeah, my uncle lives in, in Kansas, and he says that the 15th to Thanksgiving is his favorite time to hunt out there. Compared yeah. to Iowa, when he lived in Iowa, he yep. his favorite time to hunt was a week earlier, right? Yeah, and I would say that's funny because uh, some guys are like, man, that's kind of – I mean, I'm not, you know, there's other mm-hmm. other people I've listened to, even on, you know, big-time bow hunters that are like, oh, you're missing the rut if you're going that late. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I disagree, mm-hmm. um, you know, just where we're at, but in Ohio, you know, I'd say that your uncle's right on, man. Cause where we're at, um, you know, the first week, week and a half or two of November, it's money, you know, yeah. but yeah. kind of slows down after that. Little bit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what I'll say, what I'll say is like peak movement, like the, the term, the rut gets real gray yeah. because people okay. think the rut is different. Right. But yeah. if you want to go and see a ton of movement the first week of November in in Iowa, second or third week in November in Kansas. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, and so when you go back to Kansas, are, are these spots that you've had this whole time from when you lived down there prior? Cause I know there's not a ton of public in, in Kansas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, I do. I mean, I do hunt public and pa- in fact, the past two bucks that I've killed in Kansas, um, Maybe the past, actually, I'm sorry, the past three bucks I've killed in Kansas have been on public. Um, this, you know, the one that I killed this year, he was on private. But, um, yeah, these are places that when I lived there, um, yeah, public, you know, I it scouted out, hunted, and um, also same thing with private. Um, yeah. Which, I, you know, I, I mean, like all of us, we've, 
you know, I've lost some of those to, you know, farmers, you know, one of the guys, he got older and started leasing his stuff out. Um, but, um, yeah, I've been able to maintain a few of those private property places, a yeah. couple of them. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Um, so walk us through a little bit your season and how you you dedicate time because it sounds to me like now that you have this license you're going to Kansas no matter what every year and you're hunting Ohio no matter what every year um talk to us a little bit about how you approach this time frame to what what I will say is benefit or hit each state at the right time every year the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it want more helpful tips like this go to keepitfunohio.com for games quizzes and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand Um, so I'll start with this every year. We do go to Kansas in the summertime to see my wife's family as well. Okay. Uh, which works out good because she's around July the 4th and I'll take a few cameras with me Bingo. and, um, you know, put them up, not on public, um, but right. on private, they outlawed public, uh, or game cameras on public. On public. That's yep. can't do it anymore. So, yep. um, so I'll throw a couple of those up there and kind of, you know, I got, the tactic cam so they send right to my phone and stuff Mm -hmm. um so that's nice um now when it comes to ohio so i have um i got two kids that uh both enjoy to hunt Mm -hmm. and so i i do get a deer hunt ohio some um you know but i mean my you know bigger priority is my kids and uh, i love that they love to hunt um in fact this year was able to take my daughter out i I think it was like our our might have been her second or third time and she was able to kill her first deer with the cross she killed it with a crossbow mm-hmm. um you know and so she's only eight years old pretty cool thing um so when it comes to hunting here i mean i uh, you know i run trail cameras um i you know do i do we are allowed to use bait here for now and yep. so i do use bait um and uh in, you know, in both more- states Actually, yes, in, in both states. Okay. Um, though Kansas, there's been a lot of talk about they're going to outlaw baiting in Kansas. Yep. Um, you know, but – and I don't I don't want to say I per se like hunt over bait. Uh, it is in the proximity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more of – I mean, the deer I killed this year and the past four bucks I've killed have not been over bait. Yep. Um, but uh, on private, you know, I use it more as a – especially like in late summer early in the year and inventory. And I, and I run it throughout the year. I mean, I'm planning on today. Mm-hmm. Um you know, refilling corn, corn and, and rechecking, you know, or, or redoing all the ca- uh, batteries and cameras and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, yeah, so when it comes to hunting Ohio, um, it's mainly about, it's mainly about my kids. So yeah. my son still wants to get his deer for the year. And, um, so we'll focus on that now, you know, I mainly, my main hunting time again, though, it, it happens in Kansas. I'm yeah. not, sure if they answered your question or not but um, no i get it you know that's yeah you know it's it's just one of those things it's uh i've had i've had some man i had some this year i had three or four shooters um on three or four different you know places each place had about one or two it seemed like Mm -hmm. um 
but uh, had had some nice ones. Um, and I hunted them a few times, but um, you know, it's hard, you know, again, you got kids, they want to go, man. I, uh, my son's 12, my daughter's eight. And mm-hmm. so, you know, there, especially my son, he's right at that age that, you know, he loves it. He's, you know, he's killed a couple deer and killed a decent buck a few years ago here. And so, um, you know, it's more about them back here in Ohio and, yeah. um, they're out there though. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it sounds yeah. like family time, Ohio, daddy time, Kansas. Yeah. All right. Pretty much. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, kind of going back to, I just, this just popped into my head, but going back to a comment I made earlier about preachers getting permission on any ground they want. Uh, I had, oh boy. A, I had a sheriff on before and he, okay. and he goes, he would pull up to people's driveways fully in his, in his uniform, in a squad yeah. car. And people are yeah. just like, Oh my God, what's this guy? You know, there's troubles going to be around here. And he yeah. said that when he was in uniform and he pulled in with his squad car, automatic. Yeah. It was autumn. Yep. Everybody wants yep. a sheriff. Wow. Hunting yeah. Their property. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's cool. like a, uh, a built-in security yeah. camera at, the, at yes, that time. Exactly. So, um, so, yeah, I mean, God, I, I, even if I was managing lots of, lots of acres and I had the perfect property and I was growing big deer. If a, yeah. if a preacher came up to me and said, Hey, do you mind if I hunt your property? And I like, I think I, I don't know if I could say no. Cause I would be like, dude, You're obligated, right? if I'm yeah. telling him, no, am I also telling God? No. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's, well, I'll start with it. I've never, um, most of my connections to hunt where I do, I'll be completely honest with you. It's through our church yep. and people in the church. So, um, and that's, that's, I mean, uh, okay. I guess they view it as, yeah, you know, we're, we're taking care of a preacher. Right? Exactly. So, exactly. Now here's the question I have for you. Have you ever worked ask like from efficiency standpoint, if you ask the congregation in the sermon every year, <laughs> That way you can hit everybody oh, at one man. time. Have you ever done that? I've I've never done that before. <laughs> um, I feel like I might get in trouble if I do that by my boss, but that's a <laughs> unique strategy. So, yeah, I mean, typically how it goes is I'll find out if farmers church, and I don't, you know, I don't like to step on anybody's toes. Right, so I, right. I think one thing I, how I typically do it is, hey, I'll ask so-and-so, you know, hey, I, I saw you got, you know, a 80 acre chunk of property, the creek bottom going through or whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, would you mind if I bow hunted it? Yeah. Well, you know, that's how it typically goes. That's how it's gone for these. I've got like four or five places here I can hunt. Yeah. And typically they're like, well, you know, I do have so-and-so, you know, my son or so, you know, a mm-hmm. cousin or something that, well, they gun hunt. Um, but if you're, you know, you're okay with, you know, if you're just want to bow hunt, yeah, go for it. And so that's, kind of how it's been and um you know again i think all the places that permission to with the exception of one has pretty much come through yeah. um connections at our church which is i mean super nice to the people like i don't oh, yeah. you know expect that so i i mean that's huge and so yeah. yeah well i'll say this man back in the day here was my progression right i would i would go up to a farmer and early in the spring i would i would say you know winter time right around February, March or early, early March, I would be like, I'd go to a farm and I, I, I call it the, the small crack approach where okay. all you need is just an in, 
right? Just get a little. You just, just get, get in, just yeah. get in, and you say, "Hey, I'm curious. Do you have anybody?" Because back in the day, shed hunting was not as popular as it is now, okay. and yeah. so I would I would say, "Hey." Uh, do you mind if I go shed hunting looking for antlers and maybe have my one of my kids with me or maybe have my yep. wife with me or maybe tell them, hey, I, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to just shed hunt. And they'd be yep. like, well, yeah, you know, if you feel yeah. like you can go out there and find their antlers, be my guest. Okay. Go for it, yeah. Somewhere around end of March or if I find anything, I take it back to them and go, hey, I just want to let you know I found this or, oh, nice. you know, maybe okay. not the big yeah. ones. But yeah. the small ones, yeah. hey, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah I, was, I found yeah. success. I noticed that you had some turkey tracks out there. Do you have many turkeys around? Oh, no. I don't. Do you have anybody hunting yeah. your property for, for turkey season? Yeah. You know, I, I don't think I do. Okay, yeah, you can come out and hunt. It works uh, if, yeah. if, that's, if, if they let me turkey hunt, I'm almost guaranteed, like, almost yeah. guaranteed to bow yeah. hunt, to bow hunt. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe later – you know, if I go out there in the spring and I talk with them and I, and then I get the, you know, I see them, whether I get a turkey, maybe bring it to the house or I wait, I just wait a little bit to not sound like I'm pressuring them too much. And then I'd go back in yeah. maybe July and I'd be yeah. like, Hey, haven't talked with you in a while. How you been? BS for a little bit. Hey, yeah. do you have anybody bow hunting? And by now they know you, they know you're somewhat mm-hmm. of a good person. You've listened yep, got a reputation. Exactly. Yep. And then, then it would just back then it would be automatic. I'm in, yep. I'm in these yep. days, dude, I can't do that anymore. Yeah. I can't get yeah. permission on hardly anything well, in Iowa anymore. It's, it is funny. You said that I, I did get permission to a place. Actually, this guy is, um, th- I just got this year to a place about, it's a pretty, it's about 45 minutes South of me. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had no connection to our church, but, um, I went up there first cause my, you know, I wanted to take my son out to get his first Tom this year. He's killed a Jake a few years ago, but want to get a Tom this year, which he did on a, actually another piece of property after I asked this guy, but I saw some turkeys out in this field and that's what it started. He said, well, I said, you know, would you mind if, um, you know, I, I value hunting and, you know, provides, you know, food for the family, different things, but would you mind if, you know, my son and I, we came out here and, and, um, Oh, that's okay if you turkey hunt, but you know, a deer hunting, you know, in the fall, you come back and ask me about that later. Well, so mm-hmm. I stayed in contact with him, you know, and uh, it was agreed. Hey, just bow hunt again, and um, I actually have the biggest, probably the biggest deer out of all the places is down there on his property. But he busted off half his rack mm-hmm. probably about two weeks ago. So, oh boy, um, yeah, so I don't know what I'm gonna do there. But um, anyway, so yeah, I mean, it started with the kind of the turkey thing first for my kid, I wasn't really, you know, hunting for me for turkeys this year, mainly about him. And, you know, that's another good way to get in. And, um, and again, it, when I'm hunting here, a lot of times it's my kids are with me. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, you, you talked to me a little bit before we started recording about some adjustments that you have made over the yeah. course of your life as a deer hunter that maybe you were stuck in a rut you made this change and then you slowly started seeing more success. Talk to us about yeah. what some of these adjustments were. Yeah. And you, Dan, you feel free to jump in wherever you want to kind of dig in more. I'll just name off a couple of them here. So, yep. you know, one of them, and, and again, a lot of these I've, I've got from guys like you specifically from your, your podcast here, but um, you know, one of them would be, you know, we've all grown up with the, 
it's the adage of the term in the hunting world. I mean, I literally heard it like a week ago from someone I was talking to about hunting, but, um, you know, you can't kill them from the couch. Yep. And, you know, I kind of, I used to be a big believer in that. So actually one of the things I learned when I lived in Kansas, I was there for, you know, six years. And I think in the time I was there only killed like a couple bucks, um, you know, more mature deer. Um, but I was under the impression that, Hey man, if you, if you got the time, you need to go. Um, I don't think that's the best strategy. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to throw it out there and say this, and maybe you've learned or maybe you've used this before Dan your podcast so if you guys have heard it before just in one you're out the other but less is more mm -hmm. um my my strategy has changed in the fact that I'm when I go into that stand my my odds of killing that deer in my opinion at least are high mm -hmm. now that that boils down to a few different things number one Obviously, the wind. I, I'm a, I'm big on wind, and I have I run an Ozonics unit, um, you know, as a backup. Uh, you know, I, I have that with me. Um, but wind is big, you know, weather, um, and then data. What does my data show me? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, if there's a cold, if it's November, 18th, and I'm you know out in Kansas, and uh, you know there's a 20 degree cold front or whatever coming in the next day or two, and the wind's gonna be right. You know, I've got a spot, a place in my mind, you know, one of these private places that I know that I I, I got to be in that stand. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I don't want to burn it out, though, in October, early November. I'm going to let that one sit. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's one of the big things. Just because you can hunt every day doesn't mean you should hunt every day. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Less is more in that sense. Uh, right conditions, all that stuff. Right intel. I want to go in there and really think. Hey, I, maybe I won't. I want to. I hope I get a kill the deer tonight. But I'm going to get eyes on him, or yeah. you know, he's. I, I'm putting myself in that maximum opportunity spot. So yeah. Um, when you was was it a light switch moment for you? Because for me, real dude, I was hunting all the time when. Uh, before I had kids and it was literally my kids somewhere around, you know, when I had my first kid in 2012 where I, I hunted less, but I started seeing more deer when I was going in, in. So did that, is that how it happened for you or did it happen nope. another way? No, that's odd. It's funny. You said that that's, that was, that's essentially that's how it happened with me. I mean, yeah. I coach, you know, I'm one of the coaches of my son's baseball, football team. Um, you know, we're, we're busy with stuff going on there and at, at my job at church and, and different things. And so for me, it was like, yeah, the, the kids came along. And, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't have the opportunity to hunt as many days. And I had heard guys talking about, you know, uh, you know, putting yourself in that stand only you know some guys are like hey i only hunt a stand it's my best stand i only hunt i probably only hunt it three times a year mm -hmm. you know but for the past 10 years they've went like 70 percent, you know yeah. or whatever like killing their best deer out of that and so yeah. um yeah so when i same thing started having kids and i couldn't hunt nearly as much but actually uh you know for all the young guys out there that aren't dads yet hey maybe you know take uh you know take this out of our playbook but um maybe it's the less is more you know is something to consider yeah um 
you know, before you, you get kids learning when you're 18, 19, 20 years yeah. old. So, yeah. Yeah. I will say I will say I agree with you a hundred percent, but I also feel that there's the caveat to this, okay. and that is access routes. Mm. I, I yeah. feel that, and this is mm-hmm. my opinion. I'd like to hear what you have to say. Yeah. But I feel that if you have the right access route and you don't overhunt on bad winds, you can hunt a okay. tree stand a ton of times if your access route is is yeah. on point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I do. I agree with that. Um, that's, yeah, I, I'm with you there. Yeah. Um, nothing to disagree with about that. I think that, uh, which, you know, that kind of gets into another thing that I want to hit on is is access routes. Um, you know, I, I that can be a difficult thing for, in Kansas, again, mentioned mm-hmm. this, you know, before we started recording. Um, but, yeah, making sure your access routes, obviously, uh, yeah, that, that's got to be covered. Um, yeah. Which, would you want to go ahead and go down the access yeah, routes? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so, so one thing, uh, man, one thing I found out too with you know, okay, you know, again, be careful how many times you hunt a stand, but also with the access routes and being successful for that is understanding even like we can't see the deer when they're. I, I feel like this at least in Kansas, maybe not in Ohio, um, we can't maybe see the deer while they're in the bed. Right while they're bedding, mm-hmm. and so gotta be careful on how we're walking across the field. And, and I say that because um, when I, I shot my deer this year, uh, it had actually where it run to was into some bedding mm-hmm. that I was hunting fairly close to. Um, and the next day, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going back there. I'm, I'm looking for the deer, and I I bumped four or five deer that were, I mean, they were all over, they were all over like 130 inches. And mm-hmm. there was one in there that was probably 180 inch deer that I've never seen before again. And, you know, this is late, you know, it's 10 o'clock or so when this happens late in the morning, 1030. And I look and I, you know, this deer, if I walk across the middle of the field and the route that I, by the way, I walked for years, by the way, going to my stand that was probably a hundred yards from them. They would have seen me the end. They would have seen me walk the middle of the field for five, 10 minutes, however long it took me to get to my stand. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Dude, I think every single time, like I want everybody to do a little, a little drill right now. Like if you're driving, don't do this, but you know, whenever you get home, I want you to think about a tree stand location. I want you to think about how you walk into it and then take yourself out of the hunter role and put yourself in the deer role. And, you're, and if you think that a deer's bedding in here, can they see you? Can they smell you? Can they, you know, are they going to be able to bust your, you know, like you walking in? And so like it, I think a lot of it for me was just visual visualization and then realizing just because a lot of times, People, people are so anxious to get into the stand that they just black they they just aren't thinking about these things, and yeah. it takes positive reinforcement, which is doing it the right one time and seeing deer move through a, a property a little bit different. 
right? Yeah. And so, you know, that's why I've, I've used an e-bike on, on one of these farms. I can remember, oh, oh man, what was it? It was in 2000 and it would have been before I lost a, a big property back in my home, t- near my hometown. I, I would have, I'm going to say 2009 or 10 or something like that. And I learned on this farm, I learned a lot about access because it was a pine thick. It was a cattle pasture and in the pine thickets and we're all in the low spot and the deer would bed in these little fingers and then they'd come out and go to egg. And I remember watch watching some dust fly from a combine that was across the road in and watched this leaf off of a corn plant spin around with this wind and blow right down into the uh to the finger and i said i've been watching this you know i've been thinking that this is the right wind every time and what i'm doing is i'm walking in this cattle pasture i'm not skylining myself i'm walking on the back end but the wind is still going down into this finger and it is blowing everything out man switched it up jay hooked in from the other side saw saw deer every sit since then just that, right? Just that one thing. Simple. Just being able okay. to yeah. to identify that yep. leads to more deer, you know, yeah. seeing more deer. Yeah. 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 It's good. Was that was that adjustment hard at first for you? Yeah, because typically the access route isn't the easiest route in, right? Nope. <laughs> so yeah. um Yeah. And I know um I mean and I'm still going to stick by this. It's that's easier to do in Ohio than it is Kansas because mm-hmm. there's more cover. Yep. Um, it's really difficult to do in Kansas. Uh, but this year, um, specifically on this private property place where I killed the biggest deer of my life, I was intentional about it. And, you know, I really tried to focus, especially on the access route this year. And yeah. I think that that helped with that. I don't think I, I know. I really do. I, yeah. I believe it helped with that. So, um, yeah. Okay. Definitely help. Uh, and so it sounds to me like it's it's less is more, uh, and access routes have yep. really uh, been the uh, a major change for you in, in seeing. Yeah. Now, when you started doing these things, did you make the, this overall change at one time, or was it throughout the course of a handful of years? Throughout the course of a handful of years, slowly, you know, mm-hmm. in some of these, and, and you know, and, and – Kind of the third thing I you know like to talk about that's been the big change up is where it all started. Um, I bought me a saddle, so yeah. that was probably where it got the saddle. Um, you know, run a tethered uh, is it fan- I think it's a Phantom. Yep. Is that which one it is. Yep. Okay. Um, and yeah, I just saved up some money a few years ago, and that's it's what I went with that. And you know. Uh, it was like the first step in, hey, maybe sit in the tree stand that I've sat in for the past six years, you know, and I've not killed the deer out of. Yep. Maybe it's time to change things up a little. Yep. Um, and so getting into the more mobile setup uh, for, you know, the benefit primarily of Kansas. But then now it's funny because I've hunted out of tree stand one time this year ever the time I've been a saddle, even when I hunted in Ohio, mm-hmm. um, with the exception of my kids, we're in a ground blind, but when I'm by myself, um, just because you can be so versatile with it, uh, you know, and it's, it's been, a, it has been a true game changer. So that's kind of the, 
that's where it started. And yeah. then I thought, Hey, maybe let's, I mean, the, I'll be honest, the access routes is something just like in the past couple of years, I've heard you guys talk about and other guys too, um, that I thought like this year, I want to really focus on access routes. Yes. And when I, and, and so like, there's been little things sprinkled in, you know, the less is more, that one probably was around the same, probably a little before I got the saddle, but around that time. Yeah. Um, do you think that so the saddle by was, cause sometimes in life, People need a chop chop off an arm moment to make true change, right? Yes. And, and and so they feel like some people can't just go to the gym. They have to set their alarm clock at 4 a.m. and they have to do it like, boom, I got to do it. And then that's how they see their change. Do you feel yeah. that you getting a saddle was forced, like, you said, I'm going to buy this saddle, and it's going to force me to be mobile. That's exactly right. Yeah, That is 100% right, man. And it was almost like that was um, when I bought the saddle, I knew – I mean, he's talking about the gym and stuff. I'm a big CrossFitter, like mm-hmm. love working out and stuff. I love to challenge and push myself. And I knew that if I bought the saddle, I was, it was almost like I was putting an expectation for myself. Does that make sense? Yep. Uh, Okay. Yep. And so I knew, you know, I go to Kansas. I bought it a month before going to Kansas four years ago, or whatever mm-hmm. it was. And I told myself then like, Hey, this is, this is going to challenge you. You're going to, you're going to work harder. You're going to go back in these spots deeper. You know, um, you're going to play the wind better, be smarter about that. And so it was almost like, yeah, like, and, and my thing was too, I'm, I'm, tight with money I, I like to budget right mm-hmm. and when i bought that you know my thing was dude i'm not drop i bought like the kit right so after you get sticks and everything what is it like four or five hundred dollars you yeah. know i'm not i'm not gonna drop that money and just be another piece of equipment i mean this thing is how i hunt it's, I, I mean, it's almost like a life it's like a lifestyle change yes yes yeah. yes um and so in hunting you know in, in my yeah white tail you know hunting um, that has been, I mean, that's been a switch that was almost, I got it and kind of made the commitment yeah. and, um, yeah. So, so that was kind of the, that was the tip of the spear, so to speak. Yes. D- did now of those three things, you said you got a saddle, uh, access okay. routes, less is more. Is there one of those in your opinion that is weighted more than the others? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Let me, I'm going to, I'll go a little deeper. Okay. I feel because that's an easy answer for people with access to a lot of ground, right? Yeah. There's people out there who have 40 acres or 20 acres and that's it, right? Right. And and so they already know less is more because they know that they can't hunt that 10, 20 acres every day. So, so what, what strategy would you say would help the most people given that not everybody has 300, 400 acres to hunt? Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, I mean, they all have their pros. I, I, yeah. I, I view them all as pros obviously. Right. But, um, man, I, I, do you need a saddle? Okay. You don't need to, you know, mm-hmm. no. Okay. Um, for me, I felt like it was something that, again, it was the game changer, whatever. I almost feel like then if we're going to go with that, then I think that 
probably access routes because mm -hmm. if you're going to walk across the field the same way every day, and like I saw when I literally sat in those four or five buck beds, those deer I busted out while I was going to look for my deer this year, and I looked out <clears throat> and I could see, you know, I, mean, I could see that entire field where I'd be walking in, you know, how we normally would years yep. gone by. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so maybe I would say access routes then. Like, do you need a saddle? No, you can go buy, you know, from Walmart, go buy an $80, you know, uh, ladder stand or whatever. Um, you know, may have to move it around and, you know, figure out, you know, winds and things like that. But, um, you know, yeah. So, I mean, I guess I would say access routes okay. then, you know, answer that. So, yeah. It's so hard for me. Like, I've never really hunt. I've I've hunted small properties before. But I've always, in the proximity, have had other properties to go to. You know what I mean? Yes. And, yeah. And so, um, but I keep coming back to access routes and, and, and terrain and how you kind of mix both of those together. Because that, for me, is what I've seen the most benefit from when, okay. I, when I've changed. Obviously, being huh. mobile okay. is important. But you can be as mobile as you want and has shitty uh, access routes, and yeah, you're, I mean, you're 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 already beat. Yeah, and I also feel like like also, um, yeah. I mean, if you're being smart, if you'd say like, hey, out of these three things, I'd say access routes are the most important. You're already considering. You're not going to go in on a place you're supposed to have a north wind. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And hunt a you know a south wind where it's blowing at their bedding for that evening hunt, or, or, or vice versa, whatever. So, yeah, I would say I guess access routes that. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about you as a hunter. Is there anything that you are struggling with right now from a strategy standpoint that you're 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 in the you haven't got it figured out yet, but you're in the process of trying to figure it out? Okay. Um. Yeah. Um. So, Ohio deer, man, they're tough to kill, dude. Ohio, let me rephrase that. Not Ohio deer. Ohio mature bucks, four year, you know, four years, four and a half years old plus, are tough to kill. And I think it's because of the pressure around me. And so, not necessarily where I hunt. It's just the you know the guys around me that hunt. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I, you know, I I, I I I mean, that's something that I'm trying to work through. And you know, it's it's been. Again, I would say learning curve, and it seems like every year it gets a little better um, as far as getting, you know, getting closer to tagging. I mean, I've not killed a, you know, 140-inch-plus whitetail in Ohio, um, you know, and, and so there, there's been some struggles with that. I mean, that would be— So you're saying pressure, pressure on surrounding farms or yeah. even on the farm, the other farms that you have access to, that's something you're struggling with? Yeah, I mean, just guys, you know, around me and, uh, you know, kind of, unfortunately, when it, you know, there's there's a lot of a lot of guys that hunt around me. Mm -hmm. And um, and I think that most guys in Ohio, maybe Iowa's pr probably similar, um, just due to the population, there's going to be a lot more hunters, mm -hmm. which, you know, I mean, I'm all for people hunting, so I don't want to act like that. But, yep. um, yeah, I mean, it, it just seems like that's, you know, that's been a struggle, you know, Yep. Trying to find a place even that doesn't have people, not just on the property, but like surrounding it that, right. you know, there's not four or five different guys and, yeah. you know, they're pushing the woods, you know, two times every day, gun season, yep. um, which I don't really, I mean, I'll be, I don't really gun hunt in Ohio that much. Um, 
usually just stick to bow hunting primarily. So yeah, this is a great point because some guys will say, let's say I get there's a guy listening to this podcast today, and he goes, "Dude, I I just got to change things. I got I have to change the way that." I hunt in order to be more successful. Great. I agree with that. But what that does is it, because all that's kind of a house of cards. If you say I'm going to change something, a whole bunch of other things will fall down because, and, and here's what I'm getting at is, if you change, if you say to yourself, I need to be more mobile. I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to focus on access routes because I want to shoot a bigger deer. Number one, do you have big, bigger deer? in your area is is your environment going to allow you to be more successful because you can be as mobile as you want as a bow hunter and i'm just going to use michigan for example everybody talks about michigan and pennsylvania having so many hunters and poor quality of deer right this these are the top hot topics of conversation amongst residents in those states if you change, is it going to make even make a difference? So there's going to be a, a conversation that I feel a hunters have to have with themselves. Was I can change as much as I want. I can be mobile on this 40 acres as much as I want. I can have the right access routes. But if all of my neighbors surrounding me are shooting two-year-old deer every single year and my goal is a four-year-old, mm, yeah. Yeah. you're going to have to do a lot of extra work, including gaining access to more ground in order to accomplish that goal yes yeah and and that's actually part of the reason why this year i mean i i had the goal of getting one more place to deer hunt from last year because it again just because of some of the stuff we're talking about not to give any stories or whatever but um created a you know a little bit of an issue and so you know that forced me to get another place i i think that you know this this new place 45 minutes south of me um you know the guy he allows again his his buddies from high school to gun hunt on but bow hunting's you know primarily for me and and you know doesn't it looks like it's a good area without a lot of pressure and that was kind of my goal i want to find somewhere that doesn't have a ton of pressure and, and you know it's there's two bucks that i've had in there in the past month um you know the one i mentioned about has got a busted off half rack um you know so I probably won't, I don't know, probably won't shoot him if he came in, but there's another one in there, you know, and they're, they're in the area, you know, they've now in the past couple of weeks, they've been all nighttime pictures. And so trying to move around and, um, you know, figure out, you know, maybe different trails he's taking and stuff. And so, yeah, yeah. gotcha. All right. So let's talk about a specific example, right? This year you were successful in Kansas, right? On a really, really good buck. Talk to us a little bit about all the things that you've learned and how you applied them to this specific hunt that allowed you to find success. Yeah, okay. So um, on this specific farm, it is private property. Um, I had put a camera up there, again, in summer, had it run all summer. Had a few shooter bucks in there. Um, you know, I'd say three of them were four years old or older. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, good, solid deer. Um one of them, I, I must have probably got shot or got sick and, I don't know, died. So I hadn't seen him coming into November. Um, and so, uh, you know, I had public. I had other another private property place out there. Um, and I did hunt those other places. Um, but uh, for this 
place specifically. Uh, it's just a really, really fine, thin creek bottom going through it. That's you know on on a, a fairly large farm, like two hundred some acres, um, but you know it's mainly ag. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. So I mean, uh, on the uh, north end of the property, there was you know good bedding I knew in there. Um, some of that bedding even like went onto the neighbor's stuff. Um, and so there, the biggest problem was going back to, man, we're talking a lot about access routes today, Mm -hmm. but going back to access routes, that was my kind of my goal this year was the problem is it's so much property, so much open, you know, uh, on the one side of the Creek was corn, the other side was beans. Um, it was all cut. Yeah. So, you know, you're walking across this field and I'm like, man, I, I just, that's, that's going to mess me up. If these deer, you know, are betting where I think they are, they're going to see me. Um, and so, yeah, so with this year, I just decided, hey, I want to focus in on, you know, access routes being the really big key thing. You know, as I park my truck and I walk, um, you know, I don't want to see, I don't want them to see my truck or, you know, I don't want to see them, walk. you know, I don't want them to see me walking across the field. And so, um yeah, I mean, so that was kind of the big, you know, the big thing. Um, I hunted there. I think it was this, the, the third time I hunted that stand. Uh, so it was November 20th is when I shot that deer. Um, you know, I was in my saddle. Um, but, yeah, accessed it. Uh, the wind, you know, that day was blowing out like the northeast. And um, accessed it from, you know, south. Uh, parked my truck to where, you know, if a deer was in his bed, which he, he was obviously in that bed, Um he wouldn't be able to see my truck when it see when me walking in the wind was right and um yeah i nestled up against that you know essentially up against that bedding and just was essentially hunting that creek bottom as you know in hopes that they would come to the field um now what's what's crazy about this uh just part of this whole story is um the, the neighbor had like this massive uh there was had a lot of corn out just mm-hmm. put it that way and so I'd be watching, you know, I watched the one deer the very first night I hunted, um, you know, there was a deer, you know, like 30 minutes, a shooter buck that was just mowing down corn on this guy's, and he wasn't obviously, you know, in that stand or whatever, um, but uh, just mowing down on corn, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm just watching him for 30 minutes, like, dude, this deer's never going to come over. And so, like, I, don't know, I just felt like, man, with even with that guy dumping, you know, 20 bags of corn out <laughs> or whatever he did, um how's the buck gonna come over here i mean you did know, you try so, calling that deer yeah i did um and actually so the first night that deer i grunted at him um didn't have my rattling antlers of course and so he heard the grunt and there was two smaller bucks out in the field and he's probably 500 yards away or so he leaves the corn pile after he hears the grunt he backs down and this deer 140 inches or so i mean for me a shooter deer mm-hmm. no doubt he backs down this first little buck about 300 yards away. Then he's about 150 yards away. He backs down this other buck. He's coming right at me across this field. Yeah. And um, he gets to like 80 yards, 90 yards. And um, I don't know if he, you know, he's like, he was looking down the creek bottom where I was hunting that. He couldn't see anything. And so it's like he did a semicircle around me, like a, you know, half moon or whatever. Mm-hmm. Kept looking, you know, and I was, I called to him a couple more times and, um, you know, he no, no go. went back the other way, yeah. you know? Um, so he obviously didn't see a decoy or, you know, whatever, 
it might be but that so that so that was before i killed a deer that was like the first time i hunted the stand though yeah um so i you know i knew that guy was in there i saw him actually the second time again that i i hunted there he was just out you know out the field running chasing does um called to him nothing he didn't come in or anything but um the third time is when i shot my deer so yeah um yeah yeah so so with that said then um did you so you you had never seen this buck though before that you started hunting that property yeah yeah so um i had other deer on the property that i were definitely shooters i just had never seen this specific deer which um you know he again was a was a great deer so i never saw him um and actually the night the third night that i hunted there um i did end up uh and use a decoy which just want to throw this out there has burnt me more times than it's helped me. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Dan, if you can speak into that or not, but um, I, it's hurt me a couple times in other deer, but I think it helped me a lot on this one specifically. Yeah. yeah. So I'll, I'll say this. I've, I've been on some hunts back in the day when I was filming uh, for other people that deer or that decoys would work, man. Uh, there's been a couple yeah. times. There's also okay. been times where the buck comes into the field looks at the decoy loops like comes in all sidesteppy gets catches a whiff of it or something or 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 at some point realize this is not a deer and takes off and and then we've never then we don't even see him again for the rest of the year and then my experience with it is you know you got to haul this thing in you got to, yeah. you know, it's basically you're, you're taking, you're sweating, you're right? sweating, you're, you're setting, you know. yeah, you're setting it up. You have to do it at the right wind angle. You got to do it all these, all these right things. Yeah. And, and then like maybe one time the wind blew it over and there was some does there and yeah. they got all freaked out. And so that was like one of the last times that I yeah. ever, I had ever used a decoy, but I, I wish I had a decoy this year. Uh, on one of my hunts to where the I can't I don't know if you remember me on the telling this story on Instagram but uh, the first night that I sh- the my number one target buck came in yep. he got okay. downwind to me right yep. and so then he ended up getting downwind to me if I had a decoy out in front of me I don't think he would have got downwind to me I feel mm-hmm. like he would have stayed on that yep. angle so yeah. okay yeah. well okay so you're I'm a, I'll just go through the story because yep. you're hitting on two things. It's funny. It just happened with the decoy getting knocked over. Um, so I ended up shooting my, this, this buck at like three forty, three forty-five in the afternoon on the 20th. Yep. And so the, so I, yeah, I, I had carried the decoy down there from the time before. So it was, I left the base of the tree essentially covered it up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get in there at like one o'clock, put it out. And right after I'm up there, uh, get saddle set in, there's like eight or nine does a couple hundred yards out, you know, on the other part of the side of the creek, like back to the, uh, to like the east, Mm -hmm. southeast. And they're coming. And they get to 10 yards from the decoy and they start as blowing like crazy, right? So my, and my scent was good where I was at, but I mean, they had to smell my scent on the actual decoy. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and so that was at probably two two fifteen or so. Um, decoy fell over like three or four times on that hunt, by the way. And so I got on my saddle every time, and uh, you know set it back up. Uh, it was super windy that day. 
Um, but the it, what's interesting is about um, I got a video of it too. At three eighteen, I had like a hundred and twenty five inch eight point that saw the decoy, came across the field, uh, came right in, didn't ever win the decoy, knew something was up. Um, and I'm be honest, with you, dude, I, I I picked my I may have killed several deer in that ain't that like hundred and twenty five, hundred and you know, twenty eight range or whatever. And uh, you know, I picked up my bow and thought about shooting him, which I'm really, really glad that I didn't. Um, but I, I mean, I grabbed my bow, knocked up, you know, and everything. Um, anyway, so uh, after he came in, though, at like 318, my decoy, so I don't know, 320 or something, he leaves, it falls over. And so I'm kind of like, I'm almost at the point that I'm like, hey, I'm just going to, it's too windy. Mm-hmm. But something told me, put it back up, right? So I, I got down set it back up, got in the saddle, and five minutes after that, I caught some movement kind of behind me back to, like, the west, northwest, and there was two does there, and then that's when I saw, you know, I saw my buck. Um, again, very glad that I set it back up because he's about 100 yards away, and and I don't know, they, they say bucks don't leave a hot doe, I, you know, so I don't know if they were close to, you know, coming to heat or not. But um, he saw that decoy, and, you know, he was said 100 yards or so. Um, saw it through the creek bottom, out the field, came in, crossed a, you know, it was a dried-up creek bed, but crossed creek bed. Um, as he was coming in, kind of knew the trail he was going to take, and so arranged some stuff. Um, yeah, came in 20, at 21 yards, and, uh, you know, had a big cottonwood tree, kind of as he's coming in drew back as you know he's coming in and uh yeah i mean i just remember seeing that deer with those does and i knew instantly i was like, okay this is definitely a shooter don't look at his rack anymore yep. like i'm done and and not <laughs> i appreciate your honesty dude about how you've talked about you were so amped up for this one deer right mm-hmm. okay that was going through my mind Cause I'm going, if I get amped up for this, I'm going to whiff or I'm going to put a bad <laughs> shot on. So, <laughs> so thank you. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or throw it out there. So, but yeah, so he came in and, um, you know, uh, he was, wind was ball the Northeast and he was just, I drew back and he was just about to get to where my scent cone would have hit him. It's when I shot. And the only thing I did, I was not like, I wasn't nervous. I felt really calm and collected. I told myself and I drew back, like, Hey, just breathe, squeeze the trigger. Don't look at the rack. Those are three things I kept saying to myself. And my arrow hit exactly where I, I left the, you know, right where I was, right where I was aiming. Mm-hmm. The problem is I was, I was about, I would say about four or five inches back, ended up being one lung liver that I hit. And so right when I shot, I knew it was a lethal kill, but it was a touch further back than what I wanted. And also yeah. on top of that, He's angled to me a touch. Yeah. Um, and he ran out to like 30 yards. And, uh, you know, I'm always on the impression he got another, you know, opportunity to take him, you know, go for it. So knocked another arrow, sent one. And, um, you know, I didn't know at the time it was a perfect double lung hit. My, uh, my lighted knock actually didn't work um, for some reason. And I've never had an issue with that before. Um, and it was kind of, it was raining that day and windy. And so he was at a spot, you know, it was just kind of, 
is in the creek bed. It's kind of darker. So I couldn't tell where the arrow hit necessarily. I thought maybe it hit even further back, like gut. And um, so anyway, then he ran off 60 yards to the north and, you know, stood there in some thick stuff for a while. Um, just, you know, stood there for probably a minute. So he's been shot twice. Pull my binoculars up. They're all foggy because it's, you know, humid out. So I'm wiping them off, pull them back up, and uh, he's not there. And I'm like, what the heck? Well, long story short, he fell over and died. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's all That's all the good stuff. The bad stuff was I got down, could only find liver blood, couldn't find my second arrow. Um, so what's the old adage? When in doubt, back out, right? Yep. And so – uh backed out called uh called the dog you know got him got him in landowner let him know they were fine with it and stuff and um you know just gave him time right came back to the was gonna go back that night but the dog guy said you know hey based off of the blood you know that you sent me and what you're telling me we know we have one good arrow in him he's gonna die like you hit it you know it's, he's gonna die it's just a matter of we bump him tonight you know, I've I mean, I've lost deer like that before. Like we all have. Yep. He's gonna go 800 yards. So anyway, so he um he you know we meet the next early next morning, and we go back to where uh, where I shot him at, and the problem is it had poured rain all night. Like I'm talking like torrential downpour, and so there's barely any blood left. Um, but I knew the kind of the route that he was taking. And so we get up there and he had kicked that second arrow out and dude, that arrow, when I found that arrow, it was, it was lung butter, dude. It was coat like that, that lung blood had stayed on that arrow. Um, you know, it had, it had it washed away, yep. but it was sticking like straight in the ground in that Creek bottom. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so found that he went 60 yards and died. I mean, wow. and so, now, now I'm going to tell you the, the the ugly part of the story, right? So in Kansas, we have this horrible problem with coyotes out there. Oh, I believe. And it. so, dude, I I was sick to my stomach, man. Like we, f- I found the deer like really quick. You know, the next morning, um, you know, uh, found even you know, you know, found where the arrow went in. You know, both arrows went in and everything. Um, but uh, yeah, he was just yeah, he had gotten tore up by the coyotes that night, and so. Um, you know, unfortunate and that, that, you know, yeah. I don't know, that's, it sucks. I mean, it, yeah. it does. There's, so. And there's no real, I mean, you can, Hey, if you can't find them that night, don't shoot them. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. There's yeah. no, there's no right way to do it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. even, even people who have the best accuracy are off sometimes. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, yeah, I don't know. Now, I think it's normal. And I think, like, Dan, honest, if I would have seen that that second arrow, I mean, it came in, like, right where the last rib is, and it mm-hmm. came out in front of his back shoulder. I mean, it went right through both lungs. It was a quartering away shot. Yeah. If I would have seen where that arrow hit, I would have come back two hours later. Like, I would yeah. not have I would not have done that. But, um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. anyways, but. Um, well, congratulations, yeah, so. man. That's one hell of a deer. Yeah. Uh, stud Kansas deer. Uh, I bet you you get pretty jacked up every time you start thinking about. Oh man, it's almost time to go hunt Kansas, dude. Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, it's something again. Look forward to you know every year. Um, 
yeah i mean it's it's a blast it's a great state love it yeah. so yeah um yeah perfect well hey man i really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on and uh share this story with uh with us today share your life with us really appreciate uh, your time thank you very much and uh man if you get out the rest of the season good luck yeah man i appreciate it thanks dan and there we have it ladies and gentlemen another episode in the books huge shout out to aj huge shout out to all of you for taking time out of your day to listen and download and communicate with me man i really appreciate it uh if i could get you guys one more time to go to fullsneakgear.com check it out uh go pick up a a t-shirt or two and uh we will uh we'll keep the ball rolling with that business and then huge shout out to tethered wasp vortex code blue sense woodman's pal and huntworth please go out and support the companies that support this podcast let them know if you decide to purchase one of their products that you heard it from the uh nine finger chronicles website or uh, podcast excuse me i would really appreciate that and and it's that time of year where we should be surrounding ourselves with people that we love uh, reconnecting maybe relationships that uh, are on the rocks or have never been good because you only get one you only get one chance at this life right and then it's done and so if we could take time to tell people that we love them go share positive energy with people reconnect with people that maybe you've had a falling out with it takes a simple phone call dude and you just call them up and you say hey man be the bigger person i'm sorry if i hurt your feelings or whatever it is because grudges man are just poison for the soul and it's not it's not worth it so good vibes in good vibes out merry christmas to each and every one of you and uh man i'll talk to you next time